2: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. This is the fifth and likely final time I will be trying to make this work. Um, Whenever Windows says, hey, we got to shut you down, I'm like, no, we're not doing that. Talk to me tomorrow, and I do that for eternity, Uh, at least until I wake up one day, my computer is rebooted, everything wants to update, and nothing works anymore. So I've been battling with some weird technical things and the voice gets all choppy dip, 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 as I'm talking and, um, been working through it and I get annoyed and it sucks. Cause it's like, you really have this passionate, you know, plea out to the people like, here's what I feel in the morning. And then it's like, Oh crap, I got to do it again. And then you're like, all right, here we go. Ready? Here's what I feel. And Oh, come on. By the fifth time, you're like, look, man, uh, here's what I'm thinking, and take it or leave it, and uh, you know what? I gotta go. can already hear it being stupid. We're gonna keep trying. We'll see how this goes. So here is sort of my thought of the day. Um, it's a positive thought, believe it or not. Uh, you're gonna have to bear with me a little bit. We'll get there. It's not gonna sound like it's positive, but it is. But I did a bad thing. I, I did the thing that every day now I'm telling you, I gotta stop doing it, and then I don't. I went on social media. I went on the Twitter. Just I just gotta. I don't know what it is. It's just like happened You come here and you're checking email and you're checking da 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 da. da and I, you just you, the fingers just go there. You just go. And what I'm noticing. Have you ever had the experience? I know I bring up you know politics a lot. Not like the specifics necessarily, but just the the generalities of it. And I think it's because ultimately what we're talking about is human nature. But have you ever had that experience where? you're kind of like, hey, this is my team, and we kind of believe these things. And then all of a sudden, the quote-unquote my team starts saying stuff, and you're like, wait, what are you saying there? I feel like we should get back over here. And then they just kind of run off, and then they kind of create this little bubble, and they start saying and believing crazy stuff, and you're like, you know what? I feel like maybe maybe it became like a different entity, and it's not my team anymore. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I don't know, but it seems to be happening on Packers Twitter. There's a ton of parallels there. And what it's turning into, honestly, is Chicago Bears Twitter. What happened on Chicago Bears Twitter, ultimately, is that they started to create this extremely insular bubble. And then they sort of had their own experts, if you will, their own fake experts who came up with their own fake stats and their own fake film breakdowns and everything else, which really was just sort of check out this highlight that backs up what we've all been saying. Justin Fields is good. Well, how do we prove Justin Fields is good? Well, just every 45th throw, it's a really nice throw. So we capture that. We send it on social media. We send it to our bubble. We all just do a little, little happy dance in a circle around that one video, and that's proof. And after days and days and weeks and weeks and months and months of hearing, always just hearing the same stories, which is just people regurgitating what it is you want to hear over and over, that becomes reality. And when someone like me comes along and they're like, hey, here's what facts say. Here's what data says. They're like, you're out of your freaking mind. Everybody knows that's not true. And in reality, what they believe has never been true. But they they just cannot and will not believe anybody on the outside. I know this is rough. Hang with me. All right. I'm I'm trying to power through. I am 10 seconds away from quitting. (laughs) Let's hang in there together. All right. I'm, I'm making changes as we go along. We'll see if this fix fixed it. If not, then we'll just have to save it for another day. But part of the reason I'm characterizing it the way that I am, because there's always been differences opinion. There's always been sort of independent bubbles and things of that nature. But part of the reason is there is this singular bubble that is becoming prevalent. And it seems as though anybody that's willing to champion this certain thing is becoming sort of the de facto experts. And the people who have always been respected and revered and everybody else, that doesn't echo this certain belief or that certain belief is being cast out. You are not presenting, even though we've always seen you as the resident expert in this, that, or the other field, you are not telling me what the bubble is telling me. The bubble is this sort of all-knowing being that, that knows all, this godlike entity that has spoken truth to me Therefore, it must be true. And so you must be cast out. You are not a good enough expert anymore. You obviously don't know what you're doing because you're not telling me what the bubble is telling me. Any and all experts in any and all fields that do not say what the bubble says are no longer experts. Up to and including film review, film study, and any and all data and analytics. I'm seeing so many people say, this is why I don't trust data. This is why I don't trust analytics. This is why I don't trust anything this is very similar to the sort to any sort of like anti-science or anti-government type of movement where there 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 is a healthy amount of skepticism that makes sense because you don't want to blindly believe anybody and then there is this sort of I refuse to believe anything that comes out of that community because it's all lie and you get to the point where there are no experts so I'm allowed to pick any expert that I want that tells me anything that I want it becomes the breakdown of Of any and all realities that exist there's no evidence i can present to anybody because anything you present to anybody is just your opinion bro and in fact if you are one of those data and facts and reality people you're one of the bad guys and i know i can't trust you and it's all the more reason to believe the conspiracy theory nonsense coming out of the bubble because you and everybody like you is telling me the opposite that's how i know you're a fake you're a fraud you're a phony this has been like a four-game stretch for the Green Bay Packers where they have lost and struggled, and all of humanity and sanity is breaking down among Packer fans. I told you this would be positive, and we're going to get there, but I just I just want to give you a couple examples. Dusty Evely, who has always been the go-to source for... Film breakdown stuff among the Green Bay Packers. There are others that do it. There are others that do it really well. There are also more like national figures that have broken down. Like, obviously, there's 65,000 quarterback gurus that break down everything Jordan Love does. But Dusty is the guy. He always has been the guy. That doesn't mean he's all knowing. That doesn't mean he doesn't make mistakes. But at the very least, he's a good dude that we know is not just coming out with completely biased nonsense. He just, he just, cares about what he's seeing based on his experience with studying these things, and he's just going to say these things. He posted a series of clips. Let me count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight clips of um, Josh Myers doing a good job. That's it. It It's just eight clips. It's not the whole game. It's not everything. It's not a full story. It's just eight clips of Josh Myers doing a good job. Um, He posts these, and one of the comments he has on here is, I'm just going to throw some clips here with no commentary in particular. I'm trying something out. Not surprisingly, some people didn't like this. Things like, wow, he actually did good things, which is interesting because how do you know that he hasn't been doing good things all along? Because what, Dusty isn't showing you on social media? Isn't that kind of the point? Just because one person shows you one play that doesn't exactly encapsulate things, and somebody could easily come back with, eight other positive plays. Of course there's references to Creed Humphrey because we just cannot like the man because Creed Humphrey exists for some reason that makes sense to people. Found Brian Gutekunst's burner. I think he should be moved. While wow, you found one clip where he actually did his job, which is hilarious because there's literally eight while wow, he did his job for effing once still doesn't make up for the countless other instances where he doesn't, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Here is what Dusty posted in in response to one of the comments and it says i wonder why it didn't show the first third down of the game where he was responsible for the guy immediately over him uh on an up the middle run and missed so badly he fell on his own face nose tackle didn't even uh need to put a move on him or maybe one of the plays he blocked no one i'm gonna just read what dusty said because every part of this needs to be said and he says it better than i can he says oh wait i know this one i chose the myers clips that i did for a handful of reasons for starters everyone has seen the clip you're referring to." It's like the one clip everyone has seen and is basing all of their evaluations on. I don't need to post it again. Pause. That's exactly correct. You can post one clip, it passes all around social media, and everybody uses that to continue to expand on their belief that he's a terrible football player, when in reality, the 99% of people are not watching him play. They're not. You just notice when he's doing bad things. Which, by the way, everybody, including Creed Humphrey, who's doing worse than Josh Myers right now, is doing bad things. Continuing on, he says one of the other reasons is to provide of a bit of, uh, is to provide a bit of a counterpoint. Has Myers been great in the past game, I feel like he's been fine. Some bad, some good, a whole lot of neutral. The conversation has, has had zero nuance in this space. Exactly right. There's no nuance. It's pitchfork time. Somebody decided that Josh Myers is the worst person that has ever existed, worst player in all of history, and that just spirals and spirals and spirals and spirals, and and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. There's no nuance here. There's no action. I mean, there's nothing but just insanity. Goes on to say a lot of things in football and life in general, I guess, live somewhere in the grade. Not everything has to boil down to amazingly generational or trash. There's a middle ground, but that's where conversations usually go to die. I simply wanted to show some clips that maybe you haven't seen of Myers doing good slash fine things because I will assume you don't spend your Wednesday night actually watching Myers film, which is true. One of the other reasons, it was a test to see just how miserable some fans feel like being, to see if you can see some clips of a player on your team having a good rep and see if some people will still be mad at it, or mad at me, or both. As it turns out, you can post clips of a good rep and fans of the team will get mad about it and want to see only the bad reps, even though they've already seen those reps, who could have foreseen such a thing? And he's right. He posted a good thing about a starting offensive lineman and it made somebody so mad that they demanded that you show that one bad clip. And then he just throws out a generality like, and, and all the other ones probably that exist that he can't even name. I'm not saying they don't exist, but it, that's the point. He doesn't know. He just knows about that one clip. It's so obnoxious. And maybe the biggest one is just the offensive line in general. There is an absolute refusal to believe the offensive line is performing well. So there was a post um, by Joe Dolan. I don't know who Joe is. He's a fantasy football guy, whatever. But he says, one of the biggest issues for Jordan Love is how he's struggling from a clean pocket. When not pressured, only Kenny Pickett has a lower CPOE, has seven interceptions, which is the most, 6.28 yards per attempt, which is the third lowest, 61.3% completion rate, which is the second lowest. Then you have somebody quote tweet that, and uh, Scott Barrett, uh, CEO of Fantasy Points, whatever I don't know. Here's what he has to say: Clean pocket efficiency is stickier, more predictive than anything else. Jordan Love has the best offensive line in football, and he's still been terrible. Top offensive line by pressure rate over expectation, which comes from Fantasy Points data. Packers are number one with negative eight point five percent, so that is below expectation. So not just are they allowing very few pressures, which Jordan Love has faced. I think he's like, PFF has them him as like the fourth least amount of pressures. I think SIS has him as the third least amount of pressure. But this is compared to expectation. And, and I'm pretty sure this basically is just, um, I don't know, but I believe this is based on time to throw. In other words, after a certain period, there becomes a positive expectation of a pressure, hit, sack, whatever. And the Packers are lower than that, which means not only are they doing a good job, but they are number one in their blocking over expectation. He even goes on to elaborate because nobody wants to believe it. Here's what Scott Barrett says. Green Bay Packers 2023, PFF pass block rate, 74.4, fourth best. Average time to pressure, 2.72, second best. Average time to throw, which is not an offensive line thing, 2.57, 16th best. Pressure rate, 22.1%, second best. Pressure rate over expectation, based on average time to throw, it says, so I was right, 8.51%, which is number one. Let me go through the comments. Andy Herman, Aaron Nagler, can one or both of you please weigh in? No way this is correct. Packers O-line has been a train wreck this season, right? No way someone watches the tape and then comes out of this conclusion. Zach Tom has been play- Has been the only solid offensive lineman this season, and even he has had bad stretches due to injury. Clearly, this specific piece of data isn't representative of his offensive line play. This MF said best O-line. I can't. Correction, Green Bay does not have the best offensive line in football. Nope, Love has been fine. He's seeing many of the same issues Aaron Rodgers was seeing last year. I'm sorry, but the Packers do not have the best offensive line in football. Not saying it's god-awful like fans make it out to be, but it's time for a model tweet. Again, nobody is presenting anything. It's just, this is not what everybody's like, you're an idiot because me and my friends get together in, my, in our little bubble and we talk about how terrible the offensive line is. You're presenting mounds of data that says something different, and rather than acknowledge it, engage in it, or even try to dispute it, I'm simply going to go, nah And by the way, I'm just going item by. I'm not skipping anything. These are all the comments. Yeah, this is where the analytic stuff loses me. Watch the games, and I promise you'll see Green Bay's line is far from elite. Uh, let alone the best in football. That that comment doesn't even make sense. First of all, if you think you're seeing a lot of pressures, you're wrong because it's in the data. Second of all, you would have to watch all 32 teams to determine whether or not there's more or less pressure. You're not doing that. You have no idea. You're not keeping track with the people that are, are giving you the answers, and you're wrong. Next comment, quote, Jordan Love has the best offensive line in football, unquote, ha 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 ha, all cap. Right? This. I mean, this is childish second-grade nonsense. Somebody says according to Kurt Bankert, it's everyone else's fault. Pack Attack 12 says, lost anyone reading this with best offensive line in football. Dead. The best what now? Genuine question. Have you watched a single Packers game? Ha 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 ha. Exclamation point, exclamation point. Best OL in football, huh? A good wide receiver would help. Watson stinks. Let's add in what his receiver's open rate are against man coverage. I mean, does this just sound like complete garbage to you? This this is Bears Twitter. I said I've never seen anything crazier than Bears fans. Like, Vikings fans don't do it. Lions fans don't. I've never seen any group of people go so crazy and stupid and just lie to themselves and come up with nonsense. And Packers Twitter did it in a half a season of bad football play. Boom. Just like that, it's done. We are Chicago Bears Twitter. I'm a Packers fan who has watched every game. I call absolute complete BS on loving having the best offensive line protection. Green Bay's OL has been complete garbage in pass protection outside of the first two or three games. Just so happens Love was pretty good in those. That's just factually inaccurate. But he doesn't know that. He's not going to look it up. He doesn't care. Nobody actually cares about reality. And it's getting worse. The bubble is getting bigger. It's becoming more and more vitriolic to people who have always been respected, whether that's with the stats and data, Or the film breakdowns. If you break down film and don't show me what I want to see, you're on the outside. If you're presenting statistics that are not what I want to see, then you're on the outside. I mean, Bears Twitter would always make fun of things like PFF or anybody else when I would present data. I would lay out every single data point on a quarterback that I possibly could find from every source that I could possibly find, and they would just laugh it off. That's what Packers Twitter is becoming. I have begged and pleaded with people to understand How good this offensive line, as far as pass blocking, I'm not talking run blocking, and I'm not saying perfect offensive line, because there's no such thing. I never even claimed it was the best offensive line. There is one metric that has them at the best. Either way, there is no dispute they are top 10, and there is very little dispute they aren't top five as far as pass blocking. And that includes Josh Myers, who is one of the better pass blocking centers in football, kind of always has been. And is currently better than Creed Humphrey at the moment, just for those that really need to know that for some reason, because somehow that factors into your evaluation of Josh Myers. I don't know how that works. You know what the positive is, though? 20 minutes into this. Can we get to the positive? You know what it is? The thing that made me happy today, despite going on social media and seeing this and genuinely getting concerned and thinking, you know, if this gets bad enough, I could be on the outside. And... Um, you know, it, it becomes either you echo what I want to hear, or you no longer have anything to provide to us. Not that I ever was an expert, but it's it's very simple. You either get in line and say what we want to say, or you're a joke. The thing that made me happy today, though, is the fact that you're here. And I know not everybody agrees with me on everything. In fact, I'm sure that nobody agrees with me on everything. But just the simple fact that there are people, aside from the few of you who are here just to rage listen, just, just to, to hate listen to this whole podcast, every word just so you can seethe and punch stuff. Aside from those folks, there's at least a group of people, the vast majority of you, that are coming here, hopefully, my hope, isn't to, to come get your daily dose of reality. In other words, I will give you, I will be the all-knowing person and you must do what I say. My own, the only thing I'm trying to do is pres- present information as I'm seeing it. And everybody here, hopefully, is here to, to learn new information, take it back with you, and help to develop an informed position. Not to just go with the crowd and do whatever everybody else says. Everybody else, all the different podcasts have different opinions on what exactly is happening and to what degree and everything else. That's fine. Go consume it and try to come back with the best possible explanation that you can. And the fact that so many people are still listening to this podcast is, is, it makes me happy that a lot of people are not just going along with whatever they're being told. At least I hope so. So when I tell you things... Please understand that, why is there somebody else? <laughs> I just realized, I'm, I'm reading one here. It says, anybody watching the games that argue that you have a terrible line, the analytics are wrong here. His name is Pack Daddy. I'm looking at it like, oh crap, dude. People are going to think that's, although why would my burner be Pack Daddy? That would be crazy. But anyways, that ain't me. There are a lot of people who really have no idea what's going on and they're angry and they don't know where to put their anger. I've used the phrase a few times. They're a hammer in search of a nail. I'm just asking you not to be that. I'm not saying you can't be angry. You should be angry. I'm angry. I'm not having fun. I mean, I'm having a little bit of fun, but uh, it's, it's it's more fun when we're good and we're, we're talking about how we could potentially win a Super Bowl, et cetera, et cetera, and, and whatever. But just for the sake of... of you know, trying to be a certain kind of person. Take take football out of it. I mean, how you act in any situation is a reflection of who you are as a person. And I personally don't want to be the kind of person. And some, sometimes it's hard. I get dragged into it where I see something, somebody tells me something, I'm like, ah, those guys did it again. And it's like, you don't actually know what happened, do you? No. Well, here's some of the nuance. Oh, all right, fine. Right. It's easy, especially when you kind of believe something already, when you see something come across your path. Like if, if you have like, used your intellect to come to the conclusion that Josh Myers is bad. And then you see that clip, it's like, ah, there it is. And I get that. But we also have to be smart enough to to look at that and go, yeah, that was bad. But that's one play out of maybe 50 in this game, 40. So I don't actually know what happened. That's why every time I do an immediate breakdown, I kind of give like, here's my thought, we'll see what PFF says tomorrow. And the reason I say that isn't because, again, PFF is the all-knowing everything. But I want to see what the guys who watched every single snap have to say, rather than my just gut reaction off of the three times I saw somebody make a mistake and assume that that's everything, which is all that most people are doing. And everybody's on heightened alert, and that's why there's this big divide right now between like the wide receivers and offensive line and everybody else, and then Jordan Love. This this last game, I, I saw it the most. I mean, uh, me and uh, my half Mexican attorney were going back and forth, just just live texting each other two completely different football games that we were watching. He was texting me how much the receivers suck, and I'm texting him back like, yeah, it'd be cool if the guy could throw an accurate pass. And he's like, bro, every pass has been accurate. I don't know what you're talking about. And it's like, okay, I don't even know what game you're watching right now. Because we just have this stuff in our head, and as soon as we see it, it's just confirmation. Everything is confirmation bias for all of us, and it's splitting us in half. And again, we're we're forming like these weird little insular teams and it's just it's just not good and it's not healthy and i just if nothing else i just don't want us to be bears fans because that is the most awful embarrassing pathetic thing i've ever seen bears twitter and again i haven't seen any other fan base do it that is the most psychotic Thing I've ever seen where they get in their little bubble and they convince themselves of these really ridiculous things that is backed up by no information and no data anywhere and they all believe it and they all know it's true because they all told each other it's true and they keep telling each other the same things over and over and over in their little circles and they keep believing it and occasionally somebody brings a video into it to confirm like, hey guys, look what I found, some more red meat, like, oh, there there it is and we just keep adding and adding and adding and adding to these same beliefs. Rather than stepping back and saying, okay, I need the big picture, though. I don't need a clip here and there. I don't need the one bad clip or the eight good clips. I, I want to step back and see what the whole picture is. And I'm just glad you're here with me to go through that. You know, we might come to different conclusions. We might come to different, you know, I'll give the information, here's what I'm seeing, and you take what you're seeing and everything else, and we just come to different conclusions. Like, I think they're rational or reasonable. I've, I've already said, I don't have a problem with people not liking Josh Myers. I just want to make sure we're on the same page with what's actually happening. If you want to say we need to make changes to the offensive line because you know they're they're not able to execute Matt LaFleur's scheme properly, I think we need more emphasis on run blocking and we're not getting it from these guys and I don't think we can even with a change in in some of the, you know, the offensive line coach or whatever. I just don't think these guys can do it. And so without maybe maybe we don't need to do a total overhaul, but at least at a couple critical positions like center or whatever. Uh, let's see if we can find somebody. Hopefully, there's no drop off in pass blocking, and we can improve the run blocking, and it just helps us. Like, I don't mind having that conversation. I'm not saying you you can't say anything changes or you're an idiot, but if you're going to walk in and say that every single statistic that tells you, which is all of them, that we have a good pass blocking offensive line and Josh Myers is part of the reason why, then we're not we 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 can't really have a discussion because you're refusing to accept reality as it stands. Period. Well, I saw him do a bunch of bad plays. That's irrelevant. Everybody has bad plays. Creed Humphrey has bad plays. Is he garbage? David Bakhtiari messed up plays. I mean, they're they're a little more hard to find than what you're finding with Josh Myers. And yeah, when Josh Myers does something bad, it looks it looks bad. You know, David Bakhtiari might slightly, barely whiff on a guy and kind of get a hand on him, and Josh Myers falls on his face. But the result is the same. And if both guys block, you know, ninety five percent of their time to- of the time and, and allow one pressure or whatever. But one guy, you know, didn't look as ugly when he did it. Like, who gives a crap? And we got to spend like weeks talking about that? Come on. And again, I'm, I'm open to, to maybe needing a new GM. I haven't had anybody present anything to me that, that is convincing enough. But I'm open to it because we're in a bad spot. And it's hard to say everything's great when everything is not great. Now, I can see us being here. And it's, it's more of a question of, does the person we have in charge have the ability to get us out of this? right? I mean, you 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 kind of come to the end of an all-in phase. You're going to go through a, a rough patch. It's a question of, you know, can, can, do you have the guy to pull us out of the, the tailspin? And I look at 2018 and go, uh, yeah. Assuming we can find a quarterback or Jordan Love can be that guy, then I, I think we can. But anyways, that was the thing that uh, that made me smile today was I, I looked at it and I started to kind of worry and just think, you know, I don't like where this is headed I don't like how people are reacting or acting. Um, the the general just childishness, even with myself, I'm not going to pretend that I don't participate. I get on, I, I have had to delete so many tweets and some of them even sneak through and I hit post. But I, I even went back today because I was like, I wanted to find some of the tweets that I, I referenced and I couldn't find them because I was going to read, I, I, you know, typed out all the stuff I was going to say and I deleted it a bunch of different times. Turns out I never actually ended up retweeting it or doing anything because I was able to step away from the ledge. But we all just got to do that. Like, I don't know if this is just sort of a growing pain kind of thing, but I don't think so. Again, just based on human nature, what you see in politics, what I saw in Bears Twitter, I just think this is how it's going to go. And it's, we're going to decide who the the bad guys are, because whenever something bad happens, you got to have the enemy. You got to find the guys that's that are responsible. And um, there's no saving them. And right now, Brian Gutekunst, Matt LaFleur, Christian Watson... And Josh Myers are there's no there's no saving them. There's nothing I can do there's nothing I can say to where I can walk in there and save them with any amount of data facts, anything. It's just Watson kind of a bust. I mean he probably wouldn't be if there were better passes, but that that's we can't go there because Jordan love is not the problem he's he's been perfect so anyways, again, thank you for coming to hang out and uh, at least hearing what I can go out into the world and find, listening to what I have to say, and then forming, hopefully, a cohesive and intelligible opinion on these players and on the Green Bay Packers football team. Do not participate in the social media stupidity. Let everybody else go be an idiot. Don't be an idiot. Anyways, let's take a uh, our first break. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddies where you can support the podcast. Otherwise, Venmo at Packernet Podcast. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So here's what we're going to do. We have a ton, 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 ton of calls. And I want to try to get through as many as I can. If there's any big news, notes, whatever, we'll we'll talk about it. But um, we have 30 calls, and that's... Probably going to be close to thirty calls that we skip if uh, we don't start doing a little bit of double time here. So with that said, uh, let's go ahead and open up the phones and get started with Jersey Mike.
1: Hey, Ryan, It's Jersey Mike. Uh, so listen to Packin' That After Dark. Um, you're, you're, you're asking for some hope or some good vibes, so I'll give you some because I'm generally the source of negativity. I feel like. Um. So. Here, here, here's what I'm going to tell you. I've recently come across some uh, mac and cheese. Now, I, I, oh. I know you're trying to watch your calories. Well, now I know. Um, so maybe this isn't for you, or maybe you just want to try this on a cheap day. I'm telling you, dude, it's really, really good. Right. Okay? So it depends on how you make your mac and cheese. I would do it with a less creamy mac and cheese, with more like a sauce uh, kind of cheese style. Um, or honestly... And people can hate you for this, whatever. Uh, your regular blue box of craft. All right. You get your regular Kraft mac and cheese, or whatever. However you make mac and cheese, you're not going to bake it. You're just going to make regular mac and cheese. Okay. You're gonna you're gonna do some uh, chicken, preferably in like a uh, what is it called a cast iron skillet, right? So we'll cook it in some butter, get it nice and brown, and, and, and get it cooked all the way through. Okay. And then you're gonna take your favorite of uh, what is this? Uh, I I forget the name of this this uh, barbecue place that you you told everybody about. We all bought uh, the barbecue sauce. Sure. Let me tell you, I love re- I love the the southern style uh, that they have. The sweet it, it tastes like sweet baby Ray's. Even though you didn't tell me about it. Um, but anyway, so you you take some of that, you mix it in. You want to get it to the the, the Tint of Slight tint of brown You don't want to You don't want to get Like an overwhelming Barbecue flavor in there Just Just a little bit Of enough of one Throw in your Your chicken your, your seared Or whatever the heck Chicken Uh Throw that in there Mix it all up Let me tell you It's Freaking delicious It's So good Um So yeah Try that Oh By the way I did the The barbecue rub With the Uh with uh, the sauce, the tangy sauce, uh, that, that vinegary tasting one, uh, I threw that on a rack of ribs. Threw that in the oven for like four hours at like two fifty or two sixty. Oh my God, <laughs> So good, so good. Anyway, but uh, we'll keep talking about food because I can't be happy about the package. Anyway, it's late.
2: So let me get this straight. You're talking about barbecue chicken mac and cheese. That sounds amazing. That sounds like something that should probably happen. You're right about the calorie thing, um, but I have been giving myself a cheat day as long as I as long as I can hit like the actual weight goals and whatnot, and and I try to put it on like a Sunday so you can do something on the the Packer game. So we'll see, we'll see if I can get there. Maybe we'll do a little barbecue chicken mac and cheese. That sounds good, man.
3: Hey, Ryan, it's Seth. What's going on? What up? Um, I had a thought. Um, Sorry. It's all right. Um, I had a thought about how a couple of callers have called in and made comments about, and I agree with this, like why is our offense so good when we're, you know, late in the game or the second half? And, you know, a couple of people have mentioned, like, just run, hurry up. And I know LaFleur says, like, it's not that simple or whatever. I'll be honest. I'm kind of like, one LaFleur, just figure it out. If your offense is that much better in hurry up, you figure out whatever it is you need to do to run, hurry up the entire game. I don't give a crap. But anyways, my thought was, I think the reason it's so good for them is not because the offense is different that much or the scheme or anything. I just think the players don't have time to think. They just have to react. They just have to play. They're, they They're – I just feel like everybody's thinking too much. Like I got to make this block or I got to make this read or I got to make this pass. And I just feel like you get in hurry up and you get one or two good plays and you don't have time to think. Play comes in, you call it, you're going. And so um, that, that, that's my thought there. I don't know if there's any validity to that, but if there is, figure out how to run hurry up the entire game. I don't care. And it doesn't need to be forever, but if we can do it for a couple games just to get some confidence going or even one game or even the first quarter, maybe um, I'll take it. Cause I, it, it is weird how good we can look running hurry up and how crappy we look every other time. So uh, yeah, that's my thought. Talk to you later.
2: Yeah. I don't know if I brought it up on the podcast or where I even saw it. Um, I'm trying to think where that could possibly even have been, but I was just kind of going down some rabbit holes and found some random, you know, stats and whatnot. Um, But what the heck was it? It was um, I I know it had to do with like by quarter the tempo. It was offensive tempo is, is essentially what it was. And the Packers are one of the slowest offenses. It was snaps per second, I think. Um, I feel like I said it on the podcast, but it was like snaps per second in the first half. They were like bottom five-ish and then snaps per second in the second half. They were like top five-ish, let's just say. It was roughly to that degree. Um, And granted, when you're down by a billion, that's when you start to hurry up. So it may be correlation more so than causation. But to your point, I mean, what the heck is it going to hurt at this point? Get out there and just start trying to hurry and see if it helps. Um, if it's not so much the hurry up, that's, that's, um, making us good as much as it's just, it takes us that long to kind of get into a rhythm and we happen to be going at a fast pace, then we'll find out pretty quickly that that doesn't help. But, you know, again, we're kind of in that phase now where it's like, I don't know, man, just try whatever and let's see how it goes. But, um, yeah, if I didn't mention that on the podcast, I never know. I I look at so much stuff, and I say so much stuff. Sometimes I forget (laughs) whether that was a look thing, a say thing, or both. But uh, there definitely is data to back that up. We are a very slow-moving football team in the first half and a very fast-moving football team in the second half.
0: Hey, Ryan, Kyle from Madison. What up? And you're probably already going to answer this in some way by the time this airs, but in case you didn't, um, I don't have access to the All-22 that comes out today. But uh, a couple of my buddies are at the game this weekend. and I was just talking to them, and they're not pro somebody or anti somebody.
2: Yeah,
0: they really they they're not as like I said. They don't have a problem like I do with packer consumption. So they're not like that inside baseball. So they're not pro love, anti love, anything like that. Um, but they just were talking about how on a couple of when you when you you were actually in the stadium on a several of the passes, the comments were that the receivers that maybe weren't in the first two reads would kind of power it down. And then if love worked back to them, the throws, they were, the throws were off because they had kind of powered it down. And they said it was something kind of evident. I also had heard is it Bill Michaels, uh, one of the, one of the post game shows, I sure. believe it was,
4: I well, maybe not Bill
0: Michaels, Bill Schmidt. Excuse me. I think that's his name. Billy. I could be wrong. 97. seven, nice. three the game. Is that the one? I don't know. Anyway, I had heard that comment uh, before uh, my friend said that to me. So I'm just curious because uh, apparently you can't see it on the broadcast tape, and that's kind of all I have <laughs> unless somebody posts some of the All-22 of it. So can you can you verify that, um, whether or not some of the, uh, I don't know, a couple of the, the deep ball that didn't connect? If that was the reason, did they adjust their route or stop or slow down? Like I'm hearing from people, and if so, I'm just wondering why on earth that is. Uh, unless, and I can't remember the exact plays. I just remember the, you know, when they showed it, it was like an overthrow. I think yep. one to Dobbs, one to Watson. Watson, yeah. If I'm, if I'm yep. remembering correctly. Um, so I'm just curious because, like was it a situation where they thought it was scrambled drill time or they just got caught in between two minds and then, Oh, here comes the ball. And now I'm a step off or was it truly just horrible passes or, or what is the deal with a couple of those? Cause I did hear that comment a couple of times. So I'm just interested if you know what those people are saying and if people are in fact, you know, running the right, the correct routes at full speed, even if they aren't the first or second read, uh, let me know maybe what you find or maybe you already did. All right. Thanks.
2: Yeah. So I, you know, I, I'm not going to do a whole game thing right now. Um, uh, like I said, I, I didn't go back and review the game because I feel like I've been seeing and saying the same thing every single week. And you know, again, I, I asked and everyone's like, please don't, it's like a freaking root canal hearing you go back through the, uh, the thing, which I'm hoping is, is a reference to how bad the, ga- the players are, not how bad I am at <laughs> delivering quality content. But anyways, um, I do know one play in particular. And, and again, um, my buddy Blaine called it out like as as it happened that that Watson thing he's like it looks like they're slowing down um I think it was Peter Bukowski actually posted that play on Twitter, and I mean his thing was that it was on watson that that was not my takeaway. First of all, the big thing is it was a whole shot, meaning you're getting behind the corner, but you need to catch it before you get to the safety right there's There's a little spot there, so he geared down and then sped up to go get the ball and if you look at it the ball hit like where the end zone was and it was actually past the safety so it's not inside of that zone between the safety the overhanging safety and the corner because it was actually thrown beyond where the safety was so in my opinion that was not a well thrown ball the other indication is look at where Romeo Dobbs and the other receiver are they're all running at the exact same pace they're all run, like at the exact same yard line um so Everybody is sort of running the same thing. And it was Christian Watson got past the defender and kind of turned and expected the ball to be in that zone, and there was no ball. So the ball was late, and it was overthrown at the same time Um, is my interpretation of what happened. And again, if you look at Dobbs on the opposite side of the field, he does the exact same thing. I think it's Dobbs. I don't know. not talking about a different play. I'm talking about the exact same play. You watch them both. They both get past the guy, gear down, kind of waiting for the ball to hit in that area and it doesn't there's no ball there it's not and again this is sort of my issue with anticipation and also the issue with blaming Christian Watson like if the ball just sits there like if he gets past the corner and there's a ball just hanging right there yes I know he has some drop issues but it's not most of the time it's not even 25% of the time so he's going to catch most of these if you could just throw it to him in stride um these are catches, and there, there have been that I mean that one could potentially have been a touchdown. The, uh, the one I'd mentioned before th- before that, that was so unbelievably late that got punched out from behind, that was a walk-in touchdown. The ball just wasn't there. Um, so you know, the timing is clearly an issue um, and, and and again, I'm, I'm looking at it just from a standpoint of, you know, love is not throwing the ball when he's supposed to. Now, there may be some other nuanced things in terms of guys maybe not coming out of their breaks at the right time, which is throwing off the timing on occasion, but at least in that one instance, my interpretation of it when I watched that was, yes, he geared down, but it wasn't, I mean, it doesn't make any sense to say it was a go route, and he just felt like not doing it anymore, like, ah, it's a lot of work. No, he got past the guy and geared down because there's a safety over the top, and he's like, this is the shot right here. It needs to be in between these two, and there's no ball, and then he just freaking chucks it way down the field at the end zone he's like holy crap so he gets on his horse and it's you know almost like a 50 50 between the safety and watson but neither of them were able to even get to that spot um which you could argue like if he just kept running perhaps he could have been there i don't know but uh just a completely different understanding of how that play should have been handled um so it, it was it was clearly, I shouldn't say it was clearly a miscommunication. It was likely a miscommunication, and one of them was wrong. I, I To me, it makes sense that you want to throw it in that open, vacant spot, because we've seen quarterbacks do that our whole life, right? You get behind the guy, and then there's the ball just sitting there before the safety can get to you or whatever, um, but maybe not. I don't know. Uh, it's also possible that it was just a very late, very bad throw, but you know, I don't know. Now, as far as like, did that happen consistently? Maybe I'm not entirely sure, and I don't know what they were being asked to do. It could be something I can go back and look at because I didn't really have a thing to want to go look at in this game. But um, maybe maybe I'll uh, see if that because because now I'm getting kind of curious. As much as it was like, look, I, I mean, it's everybody's saying the same thing, and I'm probably going to come to the same conclusion. Maybe it won't be. I don't know. I, I don't need further confirmation of what I believe in other words I I don't need to go back and find guys wide open so that I can come on the podcast and say yep guys are wide open again I mean I I have enough confirmation just in the couple clips that I've seen to go to 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 confirm that it's probably more or less what I've seen and I'm probably going to more or less give you the same picture that I've been painting but at least on that particular play and and again you can find that on social media I think it was Peter Bukowski that posted it um And you can go kind of evaluate for yourself kind of what makes the most sense to you. The two things, again, that I would point out is the very evident hole shot behind the corner and in front of the safety where the ball probably should have been, which you can disagree with. That's fine. I I don't know. I'm just, that kind of seems intuitive to me. And then again, look at the other two receivers on the field and notice they are at the exact same yard lines at the exact same time. Um so if those guys were both supposed to just streak down the field, I don't think either of them were aware of that. I so hoping to get through more calls faster. But uh, anyways, why don't we take our final break, and we'll come back and see what Dan has to say.
3: Hey, Ryan, Dan from uh, Arizona. What's up? So I'm sitting at my home office desk working, and I see a flash come on the phone for trade for the Packers. And uh, I can't
2: believe that Oh, man, we just got into the trade part. This is going to be bumpy, man. <laughs> this is going to be rock. Oh, crap. All right, brace yourself. Here we go.
3: Traded Rasul Douglas to Buffalo for a fifth-round pick. Or for a third-round pick. Rasul in a fifth for a third-round pick from Buffalo. I thought Rasul was our best cornerback this year. Does this mean we're officially going in the tank? I don't know. Crazy stuff. Anyway, go pack go.
2: I mean, I my my stance is yes. That is what that means. Um Brian Gutekunst would never say that. Um nobody would ever admit that, but that if if this was 2020, would they have traded Russell Douglas for a third, for a second, I mean maybe for a first, I don't know, but the answer is no. They would not have done it. Um Now, supposedly, they weren't shopping anybody. They didn't have any interest necessarily in tanking. Assuming we take Brian Gudekunst at his word when he says that, I I think the thought process must have been, you know, kind of like most of us are saying, we'll see how it goes, but it obviously looks like we know where this is headed. And um, so they're like, let's not trade anybody away. Maybe we'll take some phone calls, but... um, we'll just we'll just give these guys the opportunity to play out the season and see how it goes and then when they got an offer which they felt was a very good offer i know nobody likes it because of the supposed packers third round curse but you have to understand the gm of the packers is not going to go well i suck in the third round so i'm not going to do that he's not going to do that it's a simple value proposition and you got to remember like top one of the top pass rushers signed for like a third round pick so getting a third round pick for a corner who's playing well but also playing absolutely the best of his entire career and is unlikely to stay at this level, also getting older and et cetera, et cetera. I guess they just said, we kind of wanted them to be able to finish out the season as best as they could and we'll see how it goes. But, you know, this is a pretty good offer, especially considering what I paid for him. That's a heck of a flip. That looks pretty good on my resume. Took a guy off a practice squad and flipped him for a third. So we're going to go ahead and do it. I don't know. That That's the best I can do to interpret. But even that is based on, Assuming everything you heard from Gudekunst is, is accurate and who knows how much is accurate and how much is maybe slightly misrepresented.
4: What's going on, Ryan? Chris from Alabama. Going man. on, man. Uh I don't know if this is gonna make it in time for the next game or whatever. I, I don't know man. how the phone calls is. Uh but I just got I just got my work day done. I ain't looked at nothing. I listened to them. The most recent podcast to the day is Tuesday. I was listening to that while I was driving earlier this morning. And you were talking about, you know, how Rasul Douglas, you know, one of the players that you were looking for, players that, you know, that kind of stand out and want to be here and be on the
2: team. That's the one thing I'm waiting for is the guys to – be the cream that rises to the top and <laughs> he's the one guy that made it and we traded him fair enough
4: whatever what now you know and and I remember you were talking about after the game he was the last one to shower, last one yep you know he was still at the locker and they were just still trying to figure some things out you know basically taking on a leadership role or whatever what not so why why do I get off work why do I get off work and and I go on my phone and I got notifications all over the place that we done traded Rasul Douglas. <laughs> Why in the ooh, 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 Let me get it because I almost let one shift. Why are we trading Rasul Douglas, man? Why are you trading R- Rasul Douglas who arguably is playing beside Rashawn Gary playing like one of the he's one of your best defensive players that's on the team? That's being productive. Yep. Okay, so what's going on, and what you trade them for? So I'm like, what? What did we trade them for? A freaking third round pick, <laughs> and we gave up a few. A freaking third round pick that we always screw up. You done? You done traded away one of the top, one of our top cornerbacks, one of our top productive players on defense. And a leader in the locker room for a third round pick that you ain't gonna do nothing to screw up anyway because every third round pick you pick. I don't understand what is going on with this team this year. I'm just over this, I'm over this team. I'm over the quarterback, I'm over the coach, and I'm about to be over the damn GM because I don't understand why in the hell. You were trading one of your top defensive banks with another. Okay, you can say, okay, we got Stokes. He's on IR. We don't know he, when he's coming back. We don't even know he's going to be the same player. This was a dumb, this was a dumb trade. I'm sorry, that was a dumb trade. God, ah, what the hell are we doing?
2: Yeah, and I, I know you don't need me to explain this. Well, th- th- there's a couple things. Number one is from the perspective of Packer fans, and this is pretty much all of them, including myself, it's it's almost as if we gave them away for free because a third, I mean, if it was a fourth, it would be probably more acceptable than a third just based on the track record. So that, that's part of this that I can't necessarily defend other than to say, I mean, obviously, number one, you can use that to maneuver, but whether or not they will, I don't know. And I can't necessarily argue with it aside from to say you, you can't move forward with the GM as a GM saying, you know, I don't want a third, give me a fourth. <laughs> I mean, if that's the case, trade back at two fourths, you know what I mean? You still want the higher value. The, the uh, only other point to this, though, which, again, I know you don't need me to explain, but this was a terrible decision assuming the plan is how do we maximize what we're doing right now? It doesn't help us right now. It probably doesn't help us next year. In fact, it almost positively won't help us next year because Razul very likely would have been here next year and the third round pick or, you know, second round pick or fourth round pick or however that ends up shaking out, probably not going to come in as a rookie and give you what Razul will be able to give you. Now, what if we shift the perspective? And again, a lot of people understand the perspective. They still don't give a crap. But hypothetically, let's shift the perspective. This season is done. We tried to come in without a full teardown to see if we can just slot Jordan Love in there, continue what we've been doing, maybe get some good offensive production and some much better defensive production. We can win some games, we get back in the playoffs, and we just, you know, like I said earlier in the season, we'll find out where those couple of deficiencies are, see if we can solve those with a much healthier salary cap and with some more draft pick, and we'll continue moving. And through halfway through the season, you realize... That's not going to happen, and this has become now a multi-year rebuild. That's going to include tearing down and probably a couple years of drafting, cleaning up the cap, and bringing in some uh, younger you know, pieces through free agency. If that's the perspective, it's, it's not a guarantee that Razul wouldn't be here in two years, in 2025. Maybe he would. Maybe he wouldn't. I don't know. But generally speaking, if your perspective is we need to start tearing down moving on from some of the veteran pieces, finding some younger talent to sort of rebuild. I don't know if the coach is involved. I don't know if the quarterback is involved. I think the GM at the very least sees things right now as we, as of right now, we will be moving on from the quarterback. I know most people don't agree. I don't honestly care. I mean, just based on what he's been doing. I mean, having a GM that has decided that we need to rebuild, And having a quarterback that has not been able to demonstrate he's the guy, I mean, you just kind of put two and two together. It shouldn't be that hard to figure out. I just think you look at guys like Razul, you look at guys like Preston, you look at guys like Aaron Jones, and you say, of course we like them. Of course they're leaders. Of course they're liked. But that isn't really what I'm evaluating here, especially right now. Like, they're going to be mad now. Well, freaking, oh well. They're not going to be happier next year when I cut them. (laughs) How are they going to feel next year when we move on from Aaron Jones? Or David Bakhtiari? Are they going to like that? Should we keep them forever because they're nice? Like, what What do we do? And I'm I'm, I'm not trying to d- demean what you're saying, because I get it. But the point is, I think this is maybe not necessary today, but again, they weren't necessarily planning on doing it today. But it was going to happen. Razul Douglas is not a part of a Green Bay Packers Super Bowl run. He's not. Now there is a slim chance we get like the number one pick. We get Caleb Jones or uh, Caleb Williams. He is Pat Mahomes day one, ready to rock and roll. And we're we're making a push. And man, it would have been nice if we had Razul. That's possible, but let's be completely honest with how unlikely that is. And by the way, if we have Razul, we're much less likely to get Caleb Williams. The odds of us getting a top three, top two, number one pick, um, I would say went up. Maybe not substantially, but it certainly went up with this trade. So, do I like Razul? Yes. Do I respect Razul? Yes. Do I think it makes sense to start selling off assets that are, you know, older and not a part of a run in two to three years? Yes, I do. And as much as I understand that everybody hates third-round picks, that is a relatively high price for a guy like Razul. And, um, I guess, I mean, it just is what it is, you know?
4: Chris from Alabama, you know what? What? You know what? What? The only. The only... <laughs> Type of sense that I, bro, we traded Rasul Douglas and a fifth round pick for a single fuck ass third round pick. So now I'm, I'm 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 38 hot. I'm steaming ears, my man. It's steam coming out my doggone ears right now. But you know what I just thought about, and the only thing that I can make sense about this is. And, it, and I think this might it ain't far fetched, but it might be far fetched to be thinking about it as early as I'm thinking about it. But I don't head. think it's far fetched. I think I, know where you're me going. Out. I might be I might be a little crazy because I'm kinda I'm kinda irritated, but That's I'm gonna fine. go ahead and run that by you though. Cause this might be what be going on. Okay, so now you traded a fifth rounder and Rasul Douglas for a third rounder. So now you got two seconds, two thirds. And, and, and you might probably have. I'm pretty sure we're gonna have at 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 best a top ten pick. Let's just be real about it. Yep. We probably gonna have a top. We either gonna we gonna be picking top ten or less. If we aren't in the top ten, it's gonna be like eleven or twelve. I highly doubt it. How how this team is playing, and you just traded away your best right. one of your best defensive players. So. What if what if, didn't didn't, Goody, didn't uh, Goody say that we'll know by week eight that Jordan Love was a guy? I'm saying. Yeah, we're going in week nine. Yep. He might know what he's trying to do. This is the only sense I can make of it. We got two seconds, two thirds. You package a second and a third with IP. pick. And probably some else next year, maybe try to move up to one of one or two picks, get the quarterback, and still have one second round and one third round. Or you might just take a second and give the two-thirds away because the third round is garbage. You know, two-thirds away, a second rounder, and the pick there, and we move up. They get that pick, the two-third-round picks. And the second round pick, we go up and get the quarterback that we need to go up and get. That's the only sense that I can make of this right now. If that's not what the plan is, I don't know why the hell you you trade Rasul Douglas, man. It, it just don't make no sense to me, man. It, it, it really don't, man. Damn, my man, 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 man. That's the only thing I can I can make sense of, man. Man, it's crazy, man. Oh, what's going on with this team? Yeah, I
2: mean, it's 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 tanking right? It's just, we're, we're tanking. It's, um, if I told you, Chris from Alabama, that your job was, we're done with this season. I don't give a crap. Your job is to rebuild this team and I'm not going to give you very much time. What are you going to do? And somebody calls you and they say, I want Razul Douglas. Now, you know, it certainly could look at that and be like, "Nah, it's not, I don't really need to do that. But then you, you get the gears turning a little bit and you think, Let's just say hypothetically, he's thinking we need a new quarterback. Right now, we're picking seven. We're not getting a new quarterback. Not one of the best ones. We'd have to keep losing. Well, if we didn't have Razul, that'd be easier. Also, and I don't know how much they actually care, but the draft is in Green Bay in 2025. So if, let's say, you wanted to package two first-round picks to move up, well, what if Mark Murphy's like, eh, eh, you're not trading the 2025 first. That's off the table getting a little bit extra firepower, another second, another third. You say, well, third round won't get you anywhere. It's not necessarily true. You, know, you look at the trade charts, it'll it'll tell you, it'll, it'll bump you up a little bit, even if it's just a sweetener. You figure two thirds is basically a second, two seconds is basically a first. So having two seconds and two thirds is kind of similar to having a first and a second. Those have a lot of value if you're trying to trade up. And we'll see how it goes. If we go on to win a bunch of games, then it is what it is, and we'll use the picks as best we can to try to find some some talent here or there or whatever. But yeah, man, if you're sitting at four, you need to get to three. Let's just say, right now Chicago has three, but let's say, I don't know, let's say Arizona ends up with three. Chicago t- gets one and two, Arizona has three. That's not how it is right now, but let's just say. So they go quarterback, wide receiver, quarterback tackle. Arizona, probably not getting a quarterback because the cap situation makes their quarterback somewhat untouchable. Too much of a dead cap hit and who's going to want to take on a contract for a quarterback that kind of sucks and is injured? So Arizona's stuck with the guy. If we're sitting at 4 and want to package some stuff, just I mean, first of all, Arizona would love to move back one spot and get a little bit of a haul. But the point is you never know how this stuff is going to shake out. It really is just as as Gutekunst has talked about process. And when you've determined that your season is done and you need to rebuild in a new direction and likely are going to need a new quarterback, The process changes to acquiring assets, acquiring uh, draft picks and dumping, you know, some of your more older, more expensive pieces to free up some cap space. That's that's the situation we're in. So anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have a good rest of your night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.